We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Got a super chat here from Fort Wayne Irish. Fort Wayne Irish. Thank you so much. Halfway point. What midterm grades would you give to our new assistant coaches on staff this year? What one to two things will you be looking for going forward? I'm, I'm going to cheat here, Ryan. To me, uh, incompletes. I mean, we're halfway through the season. There's a lot of football to play. I, I my my evaluation he, he of where did, I expect he did you to say be. say midterm grades, though. Yeah, but mid-term. I don't do midterm grades. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's to me, it's, it's, you, 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 they're a work in progress. I'll say this, I'm not giving grades out, but I'll say this because I do want to answer your question. I don't want to completely cop out of it. But I answer your question. I, I really like what Joe Rudolph has done for the most part. I have mm-hmm. two big criticisms. One is we have seen some inconsistency from week to week from a technical standpoint, but I will counter that by saying they, they stepped up in the biggest moment and I thought played well. And I still am just going to continue to harp on this. Yeah. Pat Coogan's had some good games. There's no doubt. I still feel the way that they handled the guard situation this season was incorrect. And that's always going to be a little bit of a black mark for me. Cause and, and, and it's a little unfair on my part to say this, Ryan, because I don't know that Billy Shrouth would be playing better. And I can say that, but I don't know, but I still say what they should have done is put Billy Shrouth out there early in fall camp, let him get the early reps with the ones. And if he falters through the first half of camp, then you can always go to Billy Shr- Pat Coogan and, and be okay. Right. But the other way around, I felt you're putting the younger, more talented player in a situation where the standard is you have to be more consistent when in reality, it's rare that a, a two-year player is more consistent than a three-year player unless it's a Joe Alt type of situation. And so I, I didn't like that. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of O-line coaches make. Let me put the more steady kid in there over the more talented kid because they value steadiness. And my whole thing is, well, how about you coach up that really talented younger guy and get him steady? You know, that would be my that would be my complaint. But I've also seen some, I mean, they, they play physical. They're, they're not soft by any stretch. Even on Saturday, they played bad. They didn't play soft. They didn't back down from the fight against Duke. They just got their butts kicked, you know, but they fought. 
it, you know, it, it kind of made me think of like, you know, you watch those boxing matches where a guy's out there just fighting his butt off, but he's just, I'm just not as good as that dude. Or, you know, that guy has a better game plan coming in, but I'm not, st- I'm not backing down. I didn't think the D line backed down at all, Ryan. They weren't like, it wasn't like we've seen in the past where they just, they didn't even compete, man. They just played bad. They just had a bad game. I mean, sometimes it is that simple. You just make sure you don't do it again next week, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, just to hit on a couple of them quick, like I think that I agree. I think Joe Rudolph has done a lot of good things. I've been, I've been, I've been pretty pleased with the offensive line in general. Special teams wise, has not been good. No hide marks for Marty Biaggi as of right now. Hopefully, Ryan, is there anything but, right now in special teams you think they do well? Uh, punting, I think, is pretty good. Punting and Jeremiah Love returning kicks is, I think, is okay. So that's cool. Even though we haven't, and, and, and really let him he's do been it okay a as a punt returner. Yeah. He's been inconsistent, but he's been okay when yeah. he get, actually gets the football in his hand, not when he's diving six feet in front of him for a ball that he has no business fielding. But that's another conversation for another yeah. day. But yeah, oof. Mark Marcus Freeman had an interesting conversation about that today during the show. That was one of the ugliest plays of that game, in my opinion, man. Like it didn't end up hurting you, but it's like, Chris, I know you're very smart, man. What the heck are you doing, sir? Yeah. What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? <laughs> yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The month of October is going to be jam-packed with huge games for Notre Dame. And ticket hunting for those games can be stressful, which is why you need to check out Game Time. Whether you're looking for last-minute tickets to this week's top 25 matchup between the Irish and Louisville or next week when Notre Dame takes on USC, Game Time is the go-to place for you. That's where I went and got tickets to the Notre Dame-Clemson game for my mom and dad. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. 
Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Irish for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Irish for $20 off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. That's gametime.co. Andy estimated trucking LLC. Howard Cross killed it on every snap. Do you feel he could be this disruptive every week if unleashed? And was Sheldon Day ever this dominant in a single game? Sheldon Day was good, man. He yeah, was he was very player. good. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I'm trying to remember. I think it was the, the Temple game in uh, 2015. Sheldon was just a man possessed in that game. Ryan, I, I, I will. A couple of those, man. We're I swear. Like, <laughs> I, I will say it again, man. I swear that in that game, Sheldon Day was basically saying, I don't care what this guy called. I'm doing what I want to do. Because there were times, <laughs> there was one play in particular where Sheldon Day did the exact opposite of what everyone else on the defensive line did, and he made a tackle for loss. I think he literally just said, this is a stupid call. I'm going to beat this guy inside and make the play. I really – like, no one will convince me otherwise. But, you know, that his senior year, right, he had 15 and a half tackles for loss. He had four different games with over two ta- – with two tackles or loss for loss or more in that year. So, it, Sheldon Day went through his senior season. There were only two games where Sheldon Day didn't have a tackle for loss against USC and Stanford that year. And he had at least one in every other game. Like, yep. he was really good that He's year. That year. Really yeah. good. Now, did he ever have a game with three and a half tackles for loss? No, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he didn't have dominant games. Go watch the Temple game from 2015, and you'll see Sheldon Day. That's the first one that just pops in my head, right? I just remember being there and watching that game. I think you said you were there too, right? I was there. Yeah. Sheldon Day was a dude that day against a pretty decent temple team man that was a a a quality matt rule football team no doubt especially on defense yeah they had uh they had like hassan reddick was on that team wasn't four nfl players on that team ryan they had the the matikavich kid they had that d D tackle that that went to the nfl yep hassan reddick was a younger player and they had a db on that team that also spent time in the nfl uh i believe so yeah and then they also had um uh, Philip Walker spent time in the NFL. Their quarterback on that team spent time in the NFL. And then they had a running back on that team too, Ryan, that I liked a lot. And I, I think he also Bernard spent Pierce? time in the NFL. Yeah. Um, R- Ryquel Armstead. Oh, Armstead. Ja- yeah. Jihad Thomas was also on that team. Um, he was also on that team. So, and then um, at, at Robbie Anderson was on that team Good as player. well, yep. who's still yep. in the NFL right now. And I really liked Ventel Bryant for college. He was a he was a quality player, man. So they had a, that was a really good football team, really good football team. PJ Walker, excuse me, I think I said Philip Walker. Was P, P. I, I, Walker. I think I think PJ's first name is Philip. Though, is so it Philip? Okay, I, I'm okay. pretty sure you weren't wrong there. Um, Notre Dame has had a few really nice undersized defensive tackles in my lifetime, man. Like I remember Trevor Laws was a dude for a couple years. Derek Landry, I remember Derek Landry. Derek Landry was yep. my guy man Derek Lynch was a really good football player so their names had a few of these guys man where it's like NFL like so like NFL like measurables not necessarily right like I mean Trevor Law spent a couple years Sheldon Day's actually stuck around for a little Mm -hmm. bit in the NFL so great for him but like none of those guys were ever going to be like all pro pro bowl type of players right right? like or even long-term starters but it's like just pesky good football players man like that's what they were I mean Derek Landry Derek Landry was a dude, man. I yeah. loved Derek Landry as a football yeah. player. He always seemed to have one of those guys, man. It's just like he's undersized, not really an NFL kid necessarily, but like 
just makes plays, man. And that's what Howard Cross is. He just makes plays. Ryan, there was actually a couple other guys on the team that were in the NFL too on that defense that I completely forgot about. Um, uh, they had a, 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 bat, a kind of a rotation end on that team that was a good player. Praise Martin Aguke, I think is how you say his name, but he was on a couple um, practice squads. Mm-hmm. They had another kid that I completely forgot about. Tavon Young was on that team as well. Oh, he and, was like a fourth round pick by the yeah, uh, Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. So he's another guy. That was a really talented Temple team. Like I just we listed like what at least ten NFL guys on that team to to who were good to some varying degrees. That was a good game. So too. yeah, it was. Yeah. It was. Uh, Deshaun, if Deshaun Kaiser doesn't do two red zone picks, it's not. A, it doesn't have to come down to you know that that final drive, but it was still a, a great final drive nonetheless. Speaking of red zone so, picks, remember that Boston College game that year? Oh that my gosh, they had three game. turnovers in the red zone in that game. I know. I think Justin so Simmons had two bad. of them. It was like, oh my god. <laughs> so and they were just like dumb intercept turnovers. They yeah. were just weren't even like wow. What are, like I thought the fumble that Josh Adams had was part dumb on his part, but they also made somebody somebody knocked it out. The two interceptions that Deshaun Kaiser threw, one was on a tipped pass, I believe, and the other one was just him throwing it to Justin Simmons. I it was oh, it was such a bad game. Yeah, such a bad game. Justin Simmons was a great player on a bad Boston College team that year. Yes, he was. (laughs) You know what's crazy about that Boston College team that year, Ryan, is they were actually really good on defense that season. Yeah. Like, as a team, they were terrible. Yep. They went three and nine, but they only gave up 15 points a game. That's it. I mean, they they had a a really good – they had two linebackers that were college kids. They weren't NFL kids, Stephen Daniels and Connor Strachan. But like oh, John Johnson Daniels was, on was that monster downhill yeah. dude, man. Yeah. He was an Ohio kid. They had uh, John Johnson was an NFL guy, a draft pick. Justin Simmons was a draft pick. They had Harold Landry on that team. Uh, you remember this guy was a real tough kid too, Connor Wujiak. Yeah. Uh, he was a real tough kid. Um, uh, Madai Abesmod was like this real big physical end. He wasn't like an NFL guy, I don't think. Uh, Matt Milano was on that team at linebacker. They had a really phys- Kevin Cavalt Cavalic was a real tough kid. Isaac, uh, the I don't know, kid, drunk Eadon. Broncos drafted him. Yeah, he yeah. was on that team. Yeah. He played a bunch for that team. They had a lot of NFL players on that football team. And, um, you know, like I said, Harold Landry was on that team as well. That was a really good defense. A wasted – right, that team had six dudes with over 10 tackles for loss that year. BC that year finished with 115 tackles for loss. They had eight defensive players that had at least seven and a half tackles for loss that year. That's insane. Absolutely insane. That, t- that defense was really good. And like, And they just had one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. Just that's, a that, terrible offense. That's one of those defenses that you wish that you could have taken like the Matt Ryan Boston College offense and like yes. something with that, you know? Like, yes. That'd be a pretty good yes. team. Yeah. Or put that defense on one of the years. They had like Andre Williams or something. Yes, yes, yes. But the Matt Ryan ones would be if you could have given uh, Coach Jag that defense, yeah. those BC teams back in like was it 07? Yes. Those would have been some really like good Anthony football Gonzalez teams. and Tony Ch- Challenger yeah, and like those man. cats. Yeah, they were that good. defense was really good. And Notre Dame moved the ball up down the field on them. That's the thing that probably pissed me off more than anything. Is it's not oh, like inside, Notre Dame in, in the twenties they were fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they had over. I, let, me, let me just say, look, yeah. They had 447 yards of offense, 6.2 yards per play that game. So it's it wasn't, and they but they scored 19 points because <laughs> you remember Will Fuller had that long pass that he dropped. I think he had like another play where he didn't he fumble a ball 
like way downfield. CJ Procise did. CJ Procise had a, a fumble. He was ran for over 10 yards. It's like one of the best runs he had all day, and he just fumbles it. BC recovers. Will Fuller drops a wide open bomb that would have been a touchdown. That was such a miserable game. It's such a miserable game. Ugh. I was at yeah. that game, by the way. <laughs> we had Irish Blooded with a question. He says, Explain this like I'm five. What is the deal with all the hamstring injuries at the same time? Will it be a specific drill or what can be said in regards to this? And how do you feel Chancey Stuckey is doing overall? It, it, it has more to do with, with the, the strength conditioning and the warm-up process for that particular position group. There's some disconnect. I don't want to say what it is because it could be a lot of different things. There's some disconnect there in the – it, it, and it could be Ryan. It could be the the post game healing pra- process. It could be the pre uh, practice stretching process or or warm up process. Because I know a lot of people don't believe in static stretches. It could be something like that. There's a lot. It could be over usage. You know they they because sometimes if you run guy if guys are running too much, I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm saying there's there could be a lot of different things. Then you you more you become more prone to those to- lower type of quad, hammy, groin injuries when when there's an overusage. So guys are overly fatigued and there's not enough of a recovery process. Yeah. So honestly, I can't really say what it is because it could be a lot of different things. And it can be unique to a position because there may be some fundamental flaws in the, in the overall strength conditioning program that are more heightened at this position because receivers tend to be used more, used differently. It's probably more than any position on the field, they probably do more sudden stop movements, stop and and accelerate movements probably than anybody else Uh, because everybody does a stance and start, but they do so much, you know, in top ends and breaks and and the different drills they do. It could be there's some drills that are causing some, some 10. It could just be so many things that, that I, it's impossible for me to be able to say, Hey, this is why it's happening. And at the end of the day, you know, yeah, the, the position coach needs to have some sort of uh, accountability there, but it's more so about they need to make sure they're on the same page with the strength program and the and the training staff to make sure like, hey, why is this happening in my position? They have all the data. They can go look and like, hey, your guys are more than any other position group. And I'm making this up as an example. They tend to have a bigger drop at the end of practice from a, you know, a miles per hour standpoint. So maybe there's something that is missing. You know, I mean, there's all that, that there needs to be a collaborative process, but I've always felt when there's a, a, an, a, an epidemic of a specific type of injury on a football team at the end of the day, it, you got to go back to the, to the, um, the strength conditioning program and the training staff are the ones that have to find those answers more than anybody else, in my opinion, but it, it could be a lot of different things. Do you want to give your opinion on the, the second part of the question, Ryan, about how Coach Stuckey's doing overall? Obviously, recruiting, we can just yeah. say he's doing great, but that's from a coaching standpoint. Yeah, I, I mean, from the full scope, I mean, recruiting has been very good, in my opinion. I think coaching, Notre Dame's wide receivers are definitely better than they were before him, right? Like, there's no doubt about that. There's been progress made there. I want to see what the next step is, ultimately. I'm going to reserve judgment based upon this right now, Irish Blooded, because there is – Something's going against that position group right now. Like there are injuries and some inconsistencies that they're dealing with, right? I want to see what this team looks like more down the stretch before I really put a harsh, 
I guess, opinion on what Coach Ducky's doing because I think there's been a lot of good, but obviously there's been some eyebrows raised recently with a couple of the games and then obviously this situation. But let me let's talk about this, I think, more towards the end of the season so we can see what the full progress is year two under Coach Ducky because it's certainly better than it was before he got there. Is it good enough? Is it to the highest high level that it needs to be? That's a question that I think still needs a little bit of time to figure out if that is the case or not. The the concern I have, Ryan, is that we're not seeing – like we saw them definitely get better from the beginning of last year to the end. And that's because he is a significant upgrade over what was there. The, que- the concern that I have is that we didn't see a jump on Saturdays from your older players. We haven't seen Jaden Thomas play as well this year as he did last year at the end of the season. He hasn't. And, and again, he's played against two power five opponents. He's been targeted seven times in those games and he's got one catch for seven yards. And it's not because he's been open and the ball hasn't come his way and, you know, hasn't come his way or was off target. He either dropped it or couldn't get open. You know, and so like the numbers look fine. He had four catches for 63 against Navy, four for 62 against Tennessee State, four for 63 against Central Michigan. But this is a kid that, you know, went for five for 66 in a bowl game, was making some great plays, had made some great plays against against BYU last year. You know, and, and, and you look at him and you're like, that's not the guy that, you know, was, was running great routes, getting open. I mean, you've talked about this in the past, Ryan. He only caught two balls for 23 yards against USC, but his level of play was a lot better and those numbers, he was getting open plenty. It's just against USC last year, everybody was getting open, you know, and, and, and so the ball wasn't coming to him as much. Mayer was getting open, Deion Colsey, but he was putting on a route running clinic last year from the slot and the move was made outside and it hasn't translated. And so to me, the issue for me is when the veterans are not making the jumps, it's if it was just Tobias having the issues, then you could say, guys, Tobias isn't playing well. He needs to get better. But we're seeing it kind of with a lot of the veterans. We don't we didn't see any jump. We say, well, maybe none of them worked hard. Well, that kind of is part of the position coach. I don't think that's the case. So why? Why are your two freshmen your most savvy players right now? That that's a problem for me. And so that's a that's a little bit of a red flag, but we're halfway through the year. Let's see what he does to finish off the year. You know, so it's still an incomplete. I will just say this for the, really the first time this season is the first time I've had some huh moments with Coach Ducky. Just the choppiness, like watch him do in cuts from the slot in the outside, Ryan. It's so unnecessarily choppy. And and it's 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 meant to be that against zone looks because it's a timing mechanism against the zone defense because you're timing it and you're sometimes coming underneath an in cut. You can't get there too quickly. So you don't speed cut out of it. Cause then you may run underneath the, the seam route, but they're doing the same thing against man. And, and how you top end an in cut has got to be different against zone than it is against man a lot of times. And so we just haven't like, that's just an example of, of the, of the issues I have. They're not, they're doing a really bad job on the outside of stemming up inside leverage to try to negate the leverage advantage, which is preventing them from making inside moves. We saw that on Saturday as well. There's just a lot of things like that that we're just not seeing it translate. And it's not just, it'd be one thing if like Braylon James and Rico Flores were making those mistakes or even Tobias, cause he's still a sophomore. didn't play a whole lot last year, but we're seeing, we're seeing Jane Thomas make that mistake. We've seen Dan Colsey make that mistake. Guys that have been in the system playing receiver for three years. And that's, that's the, the problem is cause I'm seeing it 
across the board. But again, you are dealing with a position coach who's right now, his starting group right now is a true freshman, a sophomore who didn't play a whole lot last year, and a senior who moved from running back. So, yes, I'm concerned, but I'm not ready to just say, screw it, he's done, they should have hired – you know, Shepard from Washington, like that's always been true. That, that like, we've always said that that's the guy that I will. I, I've always said that I won't speak for Ryan on this one. I, that's who I wanted, but the OC didn't want him. So they went and hired Chancey Stuckey. And guess what? Chancey Stuckey has played a big role in why they have Jaden Greathouse and Rico Flores and Braylon James and Cam Williams and, you know, all those kind of guys. So, you know, and he's still a young coach, Ryan. He's as yes. long as he's allowing himself to evaluate, as long as he's one to evaluate the job he's doing. Uh, Chancey Stuckey is not your typical 38, 39 year old coach. Meaning, by 38, 39, you've been coaching for 15 years. You kind of are what you are. You'll always evolve and get better. He's still learning a lot as a football coach of how to, third year as a yeah, coach. how to go through the process and develop a team. This is only his third full season of football coaching where he's been the primary coach. So I'm not quite ready to just say, hey, he's doing a crap job replacing with somebody else. He's got to do a better job. He's done some good things as a coach. He's done some really good things as a recruiter because here's, we just, the, they're blocking their butts off. Well, you don't take you don't blame him for route issues and then give him no credit for the fact his entire unit is blocking hard, right? Gets credit for that. So he's just gonna have to get better. But um, I'm gonna be, have a, a very keen eye on on what we see from him over the last six games of the year because he's gonna have to step up and do well. We had a question from the history expert. It looks like Tobias Merriweather may not be what we thought, and Deion Colsey is not panning out for various reasons. Should Notre Dame look for another wide receiver in 2024 or wait until 2025? Deion Colsey has played well every time he's got on the field. He's been hurt. He's injured, yeah. And and are we seriously writing Tobias Merriweather off halfway through his sophomore season? Is that really what we're doing? You, you didn't for another player who game? we have for who we have no clue how a 24 or 25 guy is going to play? Really? I think there's a lot of fans that have already given up on Tobias Merriweather. That's, yeah, I do think that's that says happened. a lot more about us as fans than it does Tobias. I could literally do an hour-long show talking about nothing other than receivers who started off rough in their careers and became great players. Right Now, does, does that mean Tobias will get better? No, it doesn't. He's got to play better. But you'd be a fool as a coach to just – right off Tobias Merriweather right now, a fool. And as fans, we can't be that. We have to be better than that. Now, that doesn't mean that you just excuse it and make excuses for how he's playing. So I'll just keep trotting him out there. He keeps dropping balls, no big deal, because he has potential. Tobias has to step up and play better. But the whole, he hasn't, you know, that's, that's taken it way, way too far, in my opinion, Ryan. Well, it's like people that wanted to just, uh, you know, you can't cut people in college necessarily, like to that degree. But remember last year, everyone was like, oh, ma- ma- get Maris off the team. He should never play yeah. again in his life. And it's just like, guys. Right. Like, yeah, right. He's only uh, a, remember he's how many people are full time starter. So like, you know, <laughs> I had people this year, Ryan, telling me that coming in the season that um, well, one guy did it because he just thinks Jaden Mickey's going to be really good. But other people did it. were like, yeah, I don't think Cam Hart's that good. They need to not have him. But do you remember like early last season when he had a couple rough early games 
oh, he yep. sucks. He's no good. And this is why, you know, I, you guys spent all this time talking about him. And that's what I love, right? Like when, whenever we like a guy and he doesn't do well, you just have those people that like just love jumping and saying, oh, you guys got this wrong. And remember that one player seven years ago that you oh, also got man. wrong, you know? And Dude, it's I'm, like, in, I'm, in, I'm in the NFL draft space in my roots, Brian. The the only thing people ever bring up is the bad is right. the bad takes you have, right. not the million good ones. You have. Right, <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it's like there's plenty of guys that uh, Cam Hart last year. Oh, he, he he he. Well, by the end of the year, Cam Hart was really freaking good and was one of the better corners and one of the 20 best corners in college football. And this year, he's been absolutely lights out so far this year. I mean, you never hear his name in games. Like Cam Hart is almost invisible in games until you realize he's not in the game anymore. Like why did everybody realize he wasn't in the game late in the game against uh, Duke? Cause Jaden Mickey got beat for a 26 yard game. He hadn't heard anything about the cornerback that the bound, the field cornerback position until then. That's not a knock on Jaden. Now, you know, he, he he's going to be fine. It was, you're you're going to get beat sometimes, but yeah. you know, it's, it's, we shouldn't be writing a guy off. That also doesn't mean that you just let that guy keep playing poorly. Right. You've sure. got to, teach him and coach him and develop him. And then he's got to step up and it's always a two-way street. You can, right. You and I've done this. You can coach a kid. You can coach him as much as you want. You can tell him everything you give him all the secrets and trade tools, you know, but if he doesn't take them and apply them, can't do it for him. We had another question from Robert Matichek, who I always get that right now. Shout out to me on paper, assuming consistent baselines of play, does Louisville fall somewhere between NC State and Duke? Are we overall Notre Dame matchup challenges? Trying to prepare early. Many thanks for everything. Well, we'll, we'll dive into this a lot more tomorrow, Robert. I promise. Um, but early answer to me, I, I would say they're they're closer to Duke than they are NC State. They're, but they're a completely different team than Duke. And here's what I mean by that. And Ryan, you and I were talking about this beforehand. They're a lot more dynamic athletically than Duke yep. is. They're not nearly as good as Duke is in the trenches, especially on offense, in yep. my opinion. Now, they got that one good edge rusher. Their D-line's not bad. By, I mean, they're, they're a decent defense. They're not like Duke's is. But as a team... And they have a good football coach. I mean, Jeff Brom's a good football coach. He's doing a really nice job with that team. Uh, they're closer to much closer to Duke than NC State right now. Yeah, clearly. And they beat NC State last week at NC State and choked away a lot of opportunities to make that game far more of a convince. I mean, this, I still don't understand what Jack Plummer was doing on that interception in the end zone. I still don't understand what Techie was doing. Not but that game should not have been a three point game, Ryan. That should have been a much more convincing victory for Louisville. Yeah. I, I mean, just kind of that my, my outside, I mean, my early perspective on it, Robert, is I was texting Brian about this earlier. And then we talked about it a little bit before the show started. It's the little team's fast, man. It's a fast team guys. It's fast. I'm telling you right now, the J- Jawan J- uh, Jordan kid, the running back. If you, if you make, if you are in the wrong gap or you miss a tackle, that kid has a chance to go. Jabari thrash who transferred from Georgia state. That kid can go. Kevin Coleman, that kid can go. They are, have some legitimate athletes on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, they basically just recruit a bunch of safeties and put them on both levels of the de- on the second and third level defense. They're like, we're going to be as fast as we possibly can. Defensive line is undersized, but they're active. They move, right? Like, this is a very fast football team. I don't think this is a incredibly technically sound football team, though. So I think that they're prone to some mistakes on both sides of the football. 
But if you are not playing technically sound football yourself, they're going to create some big plays on both sides of the football. So Notre Dame has to be on their P's and Q's from a coaching perspective, from a technical perspective. If they are, they have a chance to beat this team very handily. If not, though, they have a chance to light up some explosive plays. Like that's kind of how I see this Louisville team. I think that's that's the interesting dynamic between Duke and Louisville. And this has kind of been Jeff Brom's MO all along. He is a scheme-driven coach through and through. And and that's why I'm kind of surprised he hasn't gotten more interest from the NFL because he's got some really good scheme stuff. But he's always been that way. It's always been scheme, 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 scheme. And he's great at scheme, which is why his teams are pretty. And he's not like a complete neophyte when it comes to coaching technique. I'm not saying that. It's just there's a baseline level of technique, and then it's all about the scheme. And then his, Ron English is one of his co-D coordinators, and that's how Ron English has always been as a D coordinator. It's scheme, 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 which is if you can figure his scheme out, you can rip him up yep. and, and get all, get big plays. If you can't figure his scheme out, he's going to get 12 tackles for loss and four sacks against you, right? I mean, that's just basically the way it is. So, uh, But as a team, this is a legit top 25 caliber team in a year where there's about 40 top 25 caliber teams in my opinion, on the season. So uh, there's just – it's wild. There's not a lot of separation from like 18 to 40 for me this year, which kind of adds to to how the season is going a little bit. We had a super chat from Nathan Milton who says, is Ben Minnick tackling looking – Morrison. Oh, sorry, Ben Morrison. My bad. Saw Ben in. Is Ben Morrison's tackling looking pretty rough? Certainly looked like that on Saturday. It, I mean, I, he's gotten trucked a few times this year, Ryan. His 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 tackling has not been as good as it was last year. His coverage get, has been excellent, but oh, his yeah. coverage is fantastic. He needs to just get bigger and and add play strength in general. I mean, he's still well, like 170 yeah, pounds, something like that. The, he's still the, the problem is, Ryan, is remember last year he was not very strong either, but he was smart enough to go low, and he would kind of come up with some aggressiveness to go low. This year, he's trying to like come at guys. Yeah. And that's what he's getting run over for and why he's missing guys. And he and, and the play on Saturday just took a terrible angle. He just squeezed yeah. in too far on the backside and got beat outside. It was just a, a bad play. But, yeah, it's, it hasn't been good this year. It really hasn't. He needs to be better. And for everyone that's like Ben Morrison, first-round NFL draft pick, like that part needs to get better, though, guys. It yeah. does. He, I mean, coverage-wise, fantastic player. But it's a sophomore. And we'll get better. Yeah. We'll get better. Because you know Mike Mickens is not going to be okay with his corners not tackling well. Yeah. You know that. Especially because most of them do tackle well, so yes. like, that's going to be like a yes. talking point. You and know? it's not it's like, lack of effort. I think it's, yeah. I think he's just, yeah, exactly. Cullen Turner with the super chat. Thank you so much, Cullen. What do you guys think the snap percentage will be between Mitchell Evans and Eli Raritan when he gets back to 100 percent healthy? How much of state Holden Stace will we see? I mean, Eli Raritan's not just being thrust into the number one or number two tight end role when he gets back. I mean, the guy's people never. People think that, though. People think he's just going to yeah. be number one tight end. He's never caught a pass in his there. life in, in college. Like, uh, you know, like getting Eli Raritan back is going to be nice. It's going to be good. And you've got now four really good tight ends. Because, Ryan, one one thing we definitely got right is you and I said, Cole Flanagan's going to play as a freshman just as a blocker. And he could be their best blocker as a freshman. And it's yeah. it's not even close. He dominated a do on the goal line oh this week. Man. On the like, touchdown? Like worked him. Yeah, worked him. <laughs> I 
Vince got all fired up about that last night in the uh, the post in the upon further review. He was fired up about that block. He's 260 pounds already too. Yeah, and he's still smooth athlete, which I was worried about when I saw his. When I saw that he was listed over 260, I got a little nervous about that. To be honest with you, but um, no, I mean, I, I I think they're gonna they're gonna bring him back slowly. That that's gonna be a slow process for for um Eli Raritan. He's not going to come back in, Ryan, and just be, okay, here's your 50 snaps. You're the number one guy, no, number one. Number two, I don't care how good Eli Raritan is. The last two weeks, Mitchell Evans has played like a star, right? Yeah. Now, he's got to continue that, but, you know, and, and Holden Stace just had four catches for 115 yards and two touchdowns against a pretty good NC State defense. Yes. You know, I mean, they lost to Louisville this past weekend, not because of their defense. Yeah, darn sure. 13 points. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, their defense is pretty good. So Eli Redden is going to come back and be the number three tight end and start to build his reps up. Because you, you kid coming off of an ACL injury uh, uh, for a second straight year on the same knee, you do not throw – you do not have him on the bench the whole year rehabbing and then throw him in and play him 40 snaps. I would imagine it's going to be like five to ten snaps a game for a little bit to me. I, I would I would like to see them use him maybe earlier on. On do you remember when Stanford had Colby Parkinson as a younger guy, and they would just he was basically just a red zone weapon early yeah. on in his career because he was big and he was athletic and he could jump. It's like how about that role for him yes. early on in his career? You know, where it's just yeah. like maybe give him a jump ball, right? Like let him work. I mean, yes, I agree, but he yeah. is. I'll say this. If, if Eli Raritan is healthy and he develops properly and he's able to stay healthy moving forward, kid has a chance to be a star, in my opinion, athletically. Yep. But, again, back-to-back ACL tears, you need to be very right. – you need to be very intentional with what you're going right. to ask him to do moving forward. Very intentional. To your point, Ryan, Colby Parkinson is a freshman, caught 10 passes. That's it. For 97 yards, that's it. Four of them were touchdowns. <laughs> Just a red zone threat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, and he, he caught one. He, he caught, he, um, no, that actually was not him. I think that was might have been Caden Smith, or uh, I'm thinking the one from Caden Smith earlier in his career. But he, I mean, that's just kind of, that's just kind of who he is. You know, that's just who he was. I'm trying to think. It was um, the receiver with two na- two last names is who did it against Julian Love. You remember that guy that did it against Julian Love? J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Not Ortega, Ortega-Whiteside. There's no T-H in his name. I swear, when he went to the Eagles, was like, no, it's not Ortega. It's pronounced Ortega. Okay, Ortega-Whiteside. It's like when my wife tries to tell me it's it's when she starts pronouncing ricotta with like G's and U's and, you know, it's like, okay. Have you ever heard – the, the girl on um have you ever watched um Food Network Gianna De Lorenzo mm-hmm. whatever her name is oh yeah that's and the she, latest she big turns, teeth yeah yeah she turns everything into Italian it was like yeah. um oh, what did she say and it was just like that's not even an Italian word and she'll she just like, and Ugh. she'll be talking like normal <laughs> and then like start throwing in the accent when she says like you know oh yeah like, yeah it's yeah I really like this rigatone like shut, yeah shut it's up. like dude what well, shut up yeah seriously <laughs> she's very annoying. Um, and like, you know, she doesn't eat the food she makes. I'm like, there's no oh. way you look like that when you're making that, you know what I mean? Like, come on, <laughs> shut up. You're not carbo loading um, all the time. Is what yeah. So saying. like, I've read a story one time where it's like, they're like, when she does that stuff, when the camera goes away, she'll spit it out. Cause she doesn't want the, you know, I'm like, that doesn't oh, shock God. me at all, at, at all. all. 
Um, Meanwhile, like, guy, guy Fieri and those guys are like housing it. Yeah, and he <laughs> looks like a dude that's eating that much food, right? Like, yeah, okay, I get it. You know, it's like oh, I'm trying to remember the word everything. though. I'm trying to remember the word. I think it was like a Spanish word that she said, but she tried to make it sound Italian. I'm just like, that's not an Italian word, but it's yeah. gonna come to me. But it was just it's just ridiculous. Like, Stop. Stop. Uh, yeah, but uh, but back to back to but. Colby Parkinson, like you said, Ryan, yeah. it just it, they were all red zone throws. Like, you, yes. and the point is, whether it's that or something different, I kind of like that idea, with especially Sam Hartman. But it's yeah. you're going to give him a smaller role early to work him back, even if he was by far your number one. He's not ready to be your number one right now, and so you're going to need to work him back into it. But I will say this: he does give you a nice weapon if he only does play ten snaps a game. Remember last year, Ryan, before he got hurt, he was their best blocker last year before he got hurt. He was really good last year. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also has the fastest 10 yard split time in the history of tight ends. So, you know, you know, he can run. That's it, man. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to fly at the combine. Sarcasm for the the new people to our show. Saber used to do that, though, man. All kidding aside, like it wasn't even Parkinson, too. Like you mentioned JJ, but they also did that with like Levine Toy Lolo a little bit. Caden Smith had some of that stuff, too. Yeah. Yeah. Just use his, use yeah. his skill set early on and then kind of mature him, you know, into that bigger role. So I like that. Yeah. Because the year that he did that, he was their number three tight end. They had Caden Smith was their number one. Yep. Dalton Schultz was their number two. I forgot. And that then, was, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and they also had Scooter Harrington on that team as well. So they had four tight ends caught balls that year, but, uh, pretty well. Dalton Schultz has yeah. easily become the best NFL player out of that group, which is pretty yeah. funny. But it, it's kind of wild. Yeah. And then Colby and Caden split, split in 2018. And, then. Um, you know, then they, they kind of went away from that a little bit. That's about when Stanford started going away from the stuff that had worked for them for so long. Yeah. Was about then, about that time. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the, the past years, their tight end usage in past years. Yeah, past years. Yeah, like uh, the 2012 team, Zach Ertz led them in rece- reception yard, receiving yard, receptions and receiving yards. Their number hard. three guy in receiving yards was Tuola, and, um, and he had 24 catches for 393 yards. And then they also had, um, a fullback to call a lot of balls that year. Remember Ryan Hewitt? He caught a lot oh, of yeah. balls on the backfield, like 14, 15, 14 balls on the backfield that year. Yeah. So yeah, they used to use, use those guys a lot. They had three tight ends in 2011 that caught at least 25 passes. You had Kobe Fleener, who was their number one tight end. He caught 34. And then Zach Ertz caught 27 and uh, Tuola caught 25. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, at least they're, a good, they're a starting fun to get the tight end involved again with uh, Benjamin Urasek over the last couple of years. But yeah, yeah. Yep. I like Urasek a lot. Um, question from TD Brammy for thank you so much for the super chat. Very much appreciated. Who's the best pound for pound and freakiest athlete you've ever seen in any sport? Any sport? Wow. Bo Jackson. <sighs> yeah, it's easy yeah. for me. With all due respect to Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders was a decent baseball player. That's pretty impressive to be a great football player and a decent baseball player. Bo Jackson was an all-star and an all-pro at both sports. And, yeah. you know, people have said if he wanted to do track, he could have done track and been an Olympic sprinter. I mean, he 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 was a freaky athlete. We used to see a lot more of that, right? Like Dave Winfield, who was a, a center field for the Yankees, he was like an all-Big Ten player in basketball. Uh, coming out, John Elway was a, a great two-sport two player at Stanford. We used to see a lot more of that back in the day when, when yeah. you know, some of these great athletes would play multiple sports. But for me, the freakiest athlete I've ever seen is still Bo Jackson. To be to be that fast and that explosive at that size and, and be that skilled 
at multiple sports, you know, that's a yeah. that's an impressive. He was a much better baseball player than Deion Sanders was. Well, I think a couple of the craziest athletes that play today, if I could just add a couple to the list, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a crazy yeah. athlete, man. That dude is seven one and can handle the rock and can sky. Did you see who's going to be his new running mate next year? Oh yeah, they just got um Damian Lillard. I did see they got Damian Lillard. Yeah. I don't watch the NBA a whole lot. I might I'm gonna be watching be Bucks fun. games next year. Oh, dude. can you imagine some uh, pick and rolls with those two? Oh, like, I love oh, Lillard I as a player, man. I really do. Oh, yeah. Giannis is a freak, and he's he has he's got an NBA ring with a nut with nothing but complimentary players around him. Yeah, and Lillard to me, I've always thought is kind of a a team guy. He's not like James Harden, right? I mean, he's a guy yeah. that will play within the structure of. You know, I just, yeah, I just, that's going to be fun to watch in my opinion. And uh, Otani that plays for the Angels as a baseball player is, yeah. I mean, I, that kid can throw 100 miles an hour and then he could also hit 50 home runs. Yeah. That's wild. He's incredibly he's skilled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I kind of, I kind of, I, I, I think he's a freaky baseball player. Like I wouldn't put him as far as an athlete in the same categories like Bo Jackson and, and, and Deion Sanders and some of those guys like, um, I'm trying to think there's another dude um, I'm drawing a blank here, but yeah, we've seen some guys like that, but I, I do miss the days where you had a bunch of guys that were just great two sport athletes and you used to have to make tough decisions about, am I going to play in the NBA or major league baseball? Am I going to play NFL or, or football? And some of those guys are like, well, I'm going to do both. That's, that's why and, people uh, are steered into like the travel leagues now and stuff. They just focus yeah. on one sport and then they get burnt yeah. out. Who would have thought? Yeah. I don't yeah. love it. I don't yeah. love it. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, both for me. I'd be curious what you all think, because uh, I, you know, there always, there's always going to be different reactions. I'd love to hear what you guys think. So, um, yeah, yep, be very curious to hear that. Somebody said Danny Ainge was drafted in three sports. I knew he was drafted in baseball and basketball. Obviously, I, what other sport was he drafted in? No idea. I, I mean, I don't think he was drafted in football. Was he? What would be the other sport that he was drafted in? I don't know. I'm gonna actually look that up. Um, let's see here. He was drafted by the Blue Jays. I don't see anything in here about NFL being drafted in the NFL. But um, oh, we haven't seen. Oh him yeah, yet. he was. Uh, he was. His nephew was drafted in the NFL draft, but he wasn't oh, drafted. Again. So I don't know what the third sport is um, that somebody just said. But Danny Angel's. Oh, another guy that was a really good baseball player for the yeah. in the. Um, I think he actually played a little bit in the Blue Jays organization, if I remember correctly. But uh, quick, quick shout out to a guy that we haven't seen play college football yet, but um, Mr. Nicholas Harbor is a pretty out. Oh yeah, that's a good one, Ryan. <laughs> that's a good one. Six five two twenty running yeah. a ten two hundred meter. Like, yeah. all right, sir. <laughs> that's right. freaky. Yeah, and and he's a good football player too. He's not just an athlete. He's and no. like you and you know I've talked about this. He could be a defensive end at a high level. He could be a tight end at a high level, I, and he could I, be. A receiver. I would make him a defensive end because yeah. I think he would make a whole yeah. lot of money in the NFL as a defensive end. But yep. yeah, yep. Somebody just said he played QB for Tennessee. No, he didn't. That's his nephew Eric, and that was a Eric much Ainge. later than uh, yes. than what what, what Eric Angel's a good player though. He's a good, good yep. football player, Eric Ainge. So yeah, but still. He, now, Danny Ainge was an all all state kind of guy in all three sports in high school, according to what I just read. But he didn't play college or, or pro football. Joe Papita, I love this, Ryan. He goes, uh, "No one beats Randy Poffo, aka Macho Man, because you know, Randy Poffo played minor league baseball for the Reds uh, 
Yeah, yeah, he was a he was a really good baseball player. But uh, but Goldberg, he played NFL and yeah. he was a wrestler. Well, Brock Lesnar, right? Played didn't yeah. he? Didn't he play in the NFL for like five seconds? Yeah. He he tried out for the Vikings, but he was okay. terrible. So okay. like, no. <laughs> but he was a wrestler. Yeah. yeah, wrestler and no, a wrestler. So remember, uh, my dad would say. You remember Justin Gatlin tried out to be an NFL yeah. player, the sprinter, yeah. but I, I don't think I don't think he well, made. There were James Jet tried that in in with yeah. the Raiders, and then there was another guy that actually was a pretty decent football player in college. Jonathan Wade uh, played for Tennessee for a minute, but he was also a, a, a great sprinter. He was an Olympic well, guy as well. well. Willie Galt back in the eighties for the Bears was a sprinter too, right? Like he was a really good sprinter and uh, a ballerina. Oh, nice. Yeah, he did that in the offseason to stay like agile and stuff. He would do ballet and stuff like that. It was pretty wild. I, me- I remember um, reading about Jackie Robinson in college, and he was an insane athlete. Yeah. Like, he was like a four sport uh, guy at UCLA, I think. Somebody like told me, like, apparently, like, Jim Brown was a phenomenal lacrosse player. Incredible lacrosse player. Yep. And Wilt Chamberlain was an incredible high jumper and volleyball player, Wilt Chamberlain yeah. as well. Doesn't so, shock yeah. me. No. <laughs> I would love having oh, that in the front if, line. If you go on YouTube and you just, and if, if you search, Will Chamberlain high jump. It is he because he because now people do the traditional, you know, your backs over the bar, but they used to think do a thing called the, the Fosbury flop, and you would just go over stomach first. And he's like seven foot one going over this high bar, and it's just like yeah. that's dumb that he's able to levitate yeah. like that. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Somebody said Brian not saying John Elway. John Elway was a great athlete. He wasn't a great freaky athlete, yeah. athlete. Like he wasn't like he was Bo a Jackson powerful, was a freaky athlete. Yeah. John Elway was a great athlete. There's a difference. Uh, and uh, yes, I'm a John Elway guy, but I'm, I'm, I'm not that biased, but you know, anyone, I mean, Herschel Walker could have been an Olympic sprinter, but Bo, Bo's to freakiness to me is just, I've never seen anyone that size be that explosive, but also be able to change direction and just be skilled and all. I mean, he just was, he was nuts. Somebody said Jim Thorpe. I never saw Jim Thorpe play. I can't comment on Jim Thorpe. Oh, I didn't? mean, you know, no, I'm not that old. <laughs> was that like the twenties? Was it like the twenties? Yeah, I think really so. Old. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Long time ago. All right, we got we got some more questions here, Ryan. Let's get back on track here. All right, we got some questions here. Let's go here to uh, to Salty. Salty Virginia Peanuts says, I've heard it said that the quarterback knows the receivers better than the coaches. How involved is the quarterback in game planning and playing for each receiver? Playing, playing time, time for each receiver? Uh, yeah. Not at all. I mean, not not really, no. I mean, you'll communicate to your coach, hey, I'm, I'm really comfortable throwing this route to that guy and stuff like that. At the end of the day, you're doing what your coaches tell you to do and, and should. You know, now a good coach will, will take that into consideration as he's building a game plan. A good coach will do that. But um, how involved is he? His involvement is just simply letting the coaches know, here's what I'm comfortable with. Here's what I like. Here's what I don't like. And then, as I said, a good coach will take that into consideration. Well, usually coaches come to quarterbacks with that. Like, what do you like this week? You know what I mean? Like type of thing to make yeah. sure they're comfortable with what they're seeing. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you'll do that with a young quarterback, not because you're going to listen to him, but you want to hear him explain what he sees. Yep. And then that can be a coaching point. Like, you sure about that? And then you kind of – what you do is you'll talk them through maybe why something else might be better or – and it's a teaching point. You want – you want because you want your – and this is something that, that I've shared this before, what Dan Mullen taught me when, when I first got into coaching is the thing he would do is he would just kind of come in and have his quarterback, and at the time it was Josh Harris. You remember him at Bowling Green? He would he would just have him and he'd say, you're running the meeting today. And he would have Josh Harris lead them, Harris lead them through – breaking down the practice from the day before 
Because yeah. his thing was, I need to know what he knows. doesn't matter what I know. I'm not throwing the football. I'm not handing off. I'm not making checks. I need to know what he knows. I need him to start thinking like me. And so it was a way to evaluate where he was. And then, you know, you'd always be there to interject and, and um, are you sure about that? You know, but uh, you need to know what he knows. And that's a big part of it. All right. Next one's from Brokeneck Boy. Brokeneck Boy, I haven't seen you in a while. Would Lou Holtz with the, his best team beat Ohio State now? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Lou Holtz had three teams that I'll say definitively, and, and some will argue more, because that 92 team was insanely good as well. I'll say no. Lou Holtz had four teams that this Ohio State team right now, they would destroy with all due respect. 88, 89, 92, and 93. And I think you could even make a case for, you know, like 90 as well that could beat that team. Yes, there's no question. There's no question. This isn't the best Ohio State team we've seen, so yes, no. the answer is yes. And, and Ryan, those teams had great line play, but those teams had elite yeah. athletes. Well, like I'm Brian thinking, Smith like, and I talk about yeah. this all the time. Those Like that 92 Notre Dame team had two elite corners in Tom Carter and Bobby Taylor. Well, I was even going to say before that, it's like, you know, Marvin Harrison versus Todd Light would still be a fun time, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Todd Light when he gets some dudes. And, yeah. uh, you know, yeah, Denzel Burke did a nice job covering Jaden Thomas and those guys. But hey, how about you go try and cover Rocket Ismail and Ricky Waters? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they had some, they had some great, great teams. There's no doubt. So, yes, they would, they would absolutely do that. Come on now. <laughs> Another question from Salty. How much latitude? I'm sorry. And Lou Holtz would coach circles around freaking Ryan Day with all due respect. So that's another conversation. I I dislike Ryan Day a lot. Um, Salty with a question. How much latitude does the quarterback have during a play to choose to throw to one receiver over another because he trusts the first receiver more? Well, quarterback's got to be able to do that, man. You've got to be able to go where you're comfortable. Now, what you as a coach need to do is like, look, man, it's your job to get – on the same page with that kid because we need you to throw that ball, right? That's the read here. But in games, there's always going to be a certain level of a, I got to let this kid just kind of go with his gut and where he's comfortable in this situation. Because sometimes you'll make a throw. It's like, that's not the read, but I trust this guy. So I'm going to put this ball up. Like there was a couple times Drew Pine last year made throws to Michael Mayer. You're like, that's not where he should have thrown that football. <laughs> but Drew just threw it up high and let Michael Mayer go get it because he's like, I don't know where I'm supposed to go with this ball, but I know that if I can throw it to this guy, he's going to catch it, right? There's a I've there's a couple times against that, USC, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, and I remember the throw against um, was it North Carolina where he was covered and he just threw it real high and let Michael Mayer go up and get it. And it's just like okay, B- BYU play as well. It was just BYU, like, right. I think yeah. that's actually the play I'm thinking of, right? It was like an over route and it was like really high and he just <laughs> went out and played the guy. It was BYU, and you know it, that's okay. You know Malpractice is that the Las Vegas Raiders are so bad they're not really even targeting Michael Mayer. Like he's playing, but they're barely throwing him the ball. It's so just it's yeah. Tough. Who's their coach? Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. They're playing. They're playing Austin Hooper more than uh, Michael Mayer right now, which is just Shocker. Uh, Domer Grizz Monday mailbag. Woohoo! Apparently, Sam Hartman called a players' meeting after Ohio State. What kinds of things do go on in such meeting? If it is just him and the captains lecturing the other players to do a better job. I mean, Ryan, it could be 20 different things. There are times when that's the case. What what my guess would be, and I haven't heard this, what my guess would be is, a, hey, guys, this loss sucked. We got to learn from this, but we can't let this loss derail our season. 
I, I, I'd be willing to bet you $100 that that's what that meeting was about, if they had it. And I haven't heard that. But if they had it, I, I guarantee you that's what it was about. It was not them up there. F you, you didn't do it because there's blame all around. It yeah. was about, hey, guys, we can't let this happen again. We all have to take accountability and we can't let this derail us. Because I heard they had a pretty spirited week of practice last week. It didn't show against Duke. I don't think they were mentally ready to play that game. But they got it done when it mattered. So I I bet you that's what that conversation. If they had this meeting, I'll bet you that was a, it wasn't about them lecturing guys, especially yeah. since some of the captains played pretty poorly in some key moments against Ohio State that yeah. in that game. So and I'm happy I'm ha- if that did happen, I'm happy that it is happening because you need yeah. that type of leadership. You do. Yeah. As long as it's done the right way, and which I guarantee you it was, right? I guarantee Constructive. you it was. Yep. Like just yelling at a bunch of young guys doesn't do much yeah. for them, right? It's about right. like being real, you know, like you right. need to be authentic about it. And, you know, what's real? What happens? What sucks? What are we going to do to fix this problem and move and move forward from it? I mean, that's that's the reality you need to see. Yep. Another question from David N. who says, how do we stop all the penalties? Discipline. I mean, it's really what it comes down to. And having preparation, you you know you're going into a decent uh, environment. They're going to be fired up. You've got to you've got to have a better plan than that, you know. And and then you got to execute it. You need your you need your veterans to not make those mistakes. I mean, here's who made the here's who made the offside penalties and the false starts on Saturday, the ones that were actually false starts because the one on Billy Shroud was just stupid. That was not a false start. The whole line shifted up on the field goal. On oh, the field goal, got it, got it. Yeah, yep. uh, fifth year senior who's yep. in this, you know, second, second year is a full-time starter, third year starting games, Yep. a sixth year senior defensive end, a senior defensive end and a fifth year senior corner. It's about focus and discipline. That's it. And you, you, you need your veterans to set the tone on that. And uh, it was evidence, Ryan, that they weren't mentally ready to play that game. Physically they came out and battled. That's why they won. But mentally, this team was even the defense, which played great, was not always locked in. Missed tackles, bad angles, the offsides, yeah. and stuff like that. You take away the offsides penalties, like somebody said, "Oh, they, you know, Duke drove down on that first drive. They shouldn't have." They, they, the only reason they got it is because of stupid offsides penalty on third and ten. Yeah, you know that 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 uh, that neg- they they negated a what would have been a third and ten stop. You just got to get better. You got to be smarter. And, and, and it's not an issue to me. I mean, the stuff against Ohio State didn't bother me as much as the stuff against Duke, to be honest with you. It was just lack of focus, man. It's stupid. It's like things that you do a million times that you're just like, Maris, how are you lining up offsides, brother? Like, what? You've been lining up at defensive end for multiple years. Or Batello, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. My bad. Jordan Batello, that one drove me crazy. It's like your head's yeah. over the, the line of scrimmage. It's like, Dude, you've been doing this for multiple yeah. years and you've been playing football your entire life. You know how to line up on the line of scrimmage, man. Like get your like get your head back. You know, like, oh, mm-hmm. that stuff drives me nuts, man. Yep. And then the the Javante Jean Baptiste thing, right? It's like you go off sides, but you have chance to come back and you're just like, Nope, I'm going to be super yeah. lackadaisical yeah. getting back. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? So, <laughs> so frustrating. So frustrating. <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't have that. I, I will not excuse Cam Hart's offsides, but I've always said it's a little – corners are just at a little bit of a different angle 
yeah. where it's a little different, but even then it's like, dude, you've been doing this a long time. You can't do also that. you're supposed to check with the with the rep rep right, right there, right? Like, right. hey, I'm I'm good, right? Right? I'm good, cool, cool. Right. Yeah, you just <laughs> oh, it was it's God. like it's and it, it'd be if, if it was the younger guys, Josh Burnham does that, Junior does that, and, you know. As, and as much as that frustrated me, it did not frustrate me as much as your center having two false starts and a wide receiver having a false start. That used to drive me crazy. Wide receiver, you're watching the ball. What are you right. doing, man? What are you right. doing? And and center, you have the ball. <laughs> you literally have the ball. You start the play every single play. Like it doesn't make yeah. any sense. Oh my god. Oh boy. Yeah, it was frustrating. It's just it a focus. And David, yeah, sometimes it's just a focus thing. It really is. Sometimes there's true. there's nothing that you can necessarily do to stop it except just make sure your team is more locked in and accountable that's really what it boils down to salty again said how many real college football contenders do you see at this point in the season i see a lot i mean yeah in this season i mean salty like i said this before like this is the perfect year that if no if college football could kind of like well obviously this wouldn't happen this way but if there was a way that that college football could have an eight or a 12 man playoff this year this would be the year man because there's actually a lot of teams that are threats in my opinion like if you told yeah. me Georgia won another championship. I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me Washington won a championship, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me Texas won a championship, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me a Big Ten team won a championship, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, One this is three. an open year, yeah. man. Like, this is an open year to make some noise. So, I think there's a bunch of contenders this year, man. Like, ultimately, I mean, because we're talking about contending of making the playoffs and being in contention to win a championship, right? Last year, TCU made it to the championship, so they were technically a contender for the championship, Correct. right? I mean, there's Correct. multiple teams this year that I think could win a first-round playoff game at least, if not win no. the championship. So right now, Ryan, I would say every Power Five, well, except two, has legit multiple contenders. I, I, I'm hesitant to say the ACC because I just don't view North Carolina and Miami right now as yeah. legit playoff contenders yet. But Florida State, for sure. That could yeah. change. Florida State definitely is. The Big 12 is another one. It's Texas. Oklahoma's not a playoff contender, in my opinion. Oh, my gosh. Now, yeah. if they beat Texas this weekend, you know, maybe that could change, but no, they're not. Sure. The Pac-12 has three right now, if not four. Yeah, I was If say, not four, more. Ryan. I mean, the way Washington <laughs> yeah, State's yeah. playing right now, if not four. And and what Washington will have in their favor is they have a really good non-conference win over a Big Ten team, which is a very overrated conference, but still the perception matters. The Big Ten has three legit playoff teams right now. The SEC still has three, four legit. I I mean, look, Missouri's undefeated and they have a couple really nice wins i mean but they're they're not gonna they're not to me they're not really a contender they they, they couldn't win a chance they couldn't win a playoff game in my opinion. right yeah. nor can they win the sec and get right. to the playoff to me sure. you know what i mean um kentucky right now right now has to be looked at as a legit potential contender to make the playoff right now i don't think it's going to happen but they're one of only three undefeated teams in the sec and they just went out and just dominated what's a decent Florida team. Like Florida doesn't suck, right? They're not good, but they don't yep. suck, you know? Um, and they, they made them look like they sucked. And and I they mean, beat them in the, in the work in the, probably the strongest part of that Florida team is that like their defense line is huge. Like they don't get yeah. run on a ton and it's like, they just, 
took their will, man. Yes. <laughs> like they took their will yes, from that. They did. They <laughs> did. That's a great point. I mean, it, it just physically beat them up. That was a, that was impressive. Because I because I like the running back Ray Davis they had, but Ray Davis has always been like a four point something yard per carry guy everywhere he's been, right. and he was just like untouchable in that yeah. football game, man. Like untouchable. Didn't he have he averaged over ten yards a carry, and he had his I believe right, and he had he, he had over twenty carries in that game, something like that. Yeah, something like that. It's yeah. one thing like you had ten carries and you went for one hundred twelve yards, but you had a seventy five yard run. Okay, yeah, you didn't really, you know, what I mean, like, but he was just like twenty. 20 75 15 i mean it was it was crazy yeah how just they just ran through florida like that it was wild because i thought florida would put up more of a fight than that i'm not shocked kentucky won but they're dude, they're florida is 20, 26 carries fun, ryan 26, 26 carries he averaged over 10 yards a carry on 26 carries so here's the deal you know you'd do that well if you take away that one long run well let's do that okay <laughs> so if you take away his 75 yard touchdown run he still had 205 yards on 25 carries, which is 8.2 per carry. If you take away his 75-yard run, he still averaged 8.2 yards per carry. That's absurd. That is absolutely bonkers. And just an incredible level of, of efficiency in that game. So that was a um, – but, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of those tip, tip. I mean, there's no group of fives that I look at is that Ryan. I mean, if Fresno goes undefeated, your best non-conference was Purdue. I'm sorry. You, you, you don't, yeah. uh, you know, great year. I'll put you in the top 10, but I'm not putting you in a 14 playoff. You know, same with air force. They just won't have any wins good enough for me. I say, look, yeah, this 10 loss team, this two loss team or this one loss team over here played a much more competitive schedule. They would have gone 12 and 0 against your schedule as well. You wouldn't have gone 11 and one against theirs, but you still enjoy what they're doing. But, you know, the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, to me, all have a, a legit three-plus playoff contenders. Just those two leagues alone, yeah, which is going to be interesting. So you, three in the Big Ten, I don't think there's anybody besides the Big Three in the Big Ten, Ryan. You may disagree. I don't view any of them. And and right now, four in the other one. I mean, that's yeah. that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. Yeah. So, and I mean, and look, if we're if we're being real – I mean, if Oregon State runs the table, they've got they got a shot to be in there too because of who they're going to play. I mean, so but I just don't think they're capable of doing that. I I think there are several teams in the Pac-12. I just personally think that because we're talking about right now, the reality is is that I still think that conference is going to cannibalize each other a little bit. So like in the end, it's not going to 100 matter this conversation now. But as of right now, like if you told me Oregon was that team, I'd be like, okay, I could see that. You know, Washington, okay, I could see that. USC, okay, I could see that. Ryan, here's what I here's what's going to get nuts. There is a chance that we could have a two-loss SEC champ. Think about it. Because right now in the SEC, you have every single team in the West has a loss right now. Every one. And only Bama and Ole Miss, I believe, have won. So, well, yes, Texas A&M. One of those two teams will have a, is guaranteed to have a second loss because A and M still plays uh, Alabama, and and they have to play Ole Miss. So at least one of those teams is going to be guaranteed to have 
a, a second loss. I think the West is going to can. I think the SEC West is going to do to themselves exactly what you think the Pac-12 is going to do. They're going to because none of them are really that good. But nobody in the East is good enough to where it's a given that they're going to win the SEC title game. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and so what then happens if you've got a bunch of one loss power fives, and then all of a sudden you've got the SEC champ with two losses. Right. Now they shouldn't get in. Sure. But this is they probably well. Yeah. Right. It's going to, it's going to get nutty. There's a, there's a, this, if there was ever going to be a year where two, a two loss team got into the playoff, a 14 playoff, this is it. Yeah. This is the and, year. And I know, I know everyone's listening to us because they're college football fans and they love Notre Dame football. Right. But if there's anybody out there that like, is like, eh, I don't really watch college football that much, maybe outside of Notre Dame. This is the year to watch college football, folks. Yeah. This is a very entertaining, volatile, crazy college football landscape this year. Like, there's just going to be yeah. a whole lot. Of, I think there's going to be a whole lot of perceived upsets. There's going to be a whole lot of just back and forth. It's going to be a lot of great football games just in general. There really is, mm-hmm. man. So, yes, stay tuned, please. It's going to be fun. Yep, it really is. It really is. It's going to be a whole is. lot of fun. <laughs>